0: Welcome to Market Scale Pro AV. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have a pleasure of having a conversation with Mike Weems. Mike has quite a bit of experience in the Pro AV industry over 40 years of experience. So I'm very excited to talk to someone who has seen just about everything that can be seen in the pro IV industry. Mike, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. Now, when I say 40 years in the industry, you obviously started in the industry when you were eight years old. So I'm really curious as to how you decided to that pro AV was the thing that you really wanted to do with your life. How did you? How did you take those first steps into the industry?
1: Well, it all started back in the sixth grade, pushing Bell and Howell projectors down the hallway for the teachers in the AV club. But uh, no, later on, I graduated college with a degree in music and realized pretty quickly I was going to be a choral music teacher or an opera singer. So I started working in a local camera store and then. But he called and said, Hey, the local TV station needs a camera operator. So I went down there and then one thing led to another. And right out of college with a degree in music, there wasn't much else to do. So a friend of my father's called up and said, How'd you like to be the media director at Utica Junior College? And I said, Well, what's a media director and where's Utica Junior College? And that's how it all started.
0: Well, I there you know, I'm I'm very interested because of your experience and just the the massive seismic changes that have happened in the industry during your career. Does it seem like those changes just keep picking up speed?
1: No, it's going pretty quickly. I mean, you know, we started out in the old days with everything analog, and then we uh, went through the digital transition right before that. We sort of went from tube cameras to CCD cameras and from video projectors with three guns three picture tubes on them to LCDs and then the entire production world is flipped over to digital. So now everything's going AV and IT, which is why a few years back I had to become a Microsoft certified professional in addition to a CTS. So things are getting faster and faster. I was at Infocom this year and the the range of just displays alone is, is sort of amazing. That's the best word I can come up with.
0: Is it too much? From someone who has worked as a professional in this industry, and your job was to get the job done, is there too much choice, or is that even a possibility?
1: No, I don't think so. With uh, with everybody living with pretty much production capability on their cell phones these days, I mean, back in the day, we were teaching people just how to hook up a TV studio, and now you whip out your phone, and there's your TV production facility, and you can edit on it and do everything on it and have it on the air in a matter of minutes, so... Uh, it's really not moving too fast, but, uh, you know, the, the production quality I would question many times. And
0: do you find that the facility with which people can create content, does that free them up from the technical side to focus a little more on the, the creation side? Or does it mean that any bad idea can now be put into video format?
1: Well, of course, that's true. But uh, I mean, even down to just a simple rock concert, you can't go anymore without not being able to see the stage for all the, the cell phones being held a recording event. Nobody actually goes to events or anything anymore just for the event. They go there to record it. Yeah, I think sometimes it's it's gone a little bit overboard. And I keep waiting for concert venues to, to ban cell phones or do something like that. But, you know, just all the things that happen in our daily lives that end up on the news that night because the camera was present, whether it be a, a traffic stop or, or whatever. So. So it's pretty amazing from my standpoint.
0: There have been quite a few changes in the last 12 months, in the last five years, in the last decade. (laughs) And as the industry continues to accelerate, do you find that technology and innovation drives the mindset of the industry? Or do you find that the industry is demanding and requiring these advances in technology? Or is it some sort of balance between those two?
1: Well, right now it's a balance, but it's uh, sort of slowly tilting over. In the early days of video, nobody knew what they wanted. We relied on, back when I worked for Japanese companies, they would come over and say, here's your new products to sell with no input from us in America. Now, you know, the consumer is sort of driving what takes place next. I mean, most of the innovations in smartphones and everything else is all driven by customers asking and looking for the things that they can't do now. So I say it's uh, the balance is tipped in favor of the consumer.
0: Is there a particular innovation that you saw or a change in mindset that you experienced during your career that maybe was a little more impactful than any other?
1: Well, the biggest impact from the video production standpoint and from the video world in general was when... uh a guy by the name of conrad cofield from sony we went over to Atsugi, japan and brought back all the digital products and that was a major mind shift because at the time we had a bunch of broadcast engineers we'd come over to sony from rca and all of a sudden we're bringing in digital and they're like uh, wait a minute we can't look at an analog waveform monitor anymore and make changes to the image and and now you can go many 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 generations in post-production with no signal degradation so in the old days, there was a whole college industry built around enhancing analog signal, and all that went away overnight, as well as the ability to do many, many more things now with digital effects than you could ever do before. It totally changed the, the production world and the commercial world and everything else out there was impacted by it.
0: Do you find that a huge challenge for anybody in the industry is being able to keep up with those changes in technology. I, I mean, there has to be a steep learning curve to train enough qualified people with the right skill sets to be able to manage all of the massive changes that are happening in the industry.
1: Well, that's the problem for everybody that belongs to Infocom is finding enough qualified people, and that's something the association tries to do every year is crank out more and more Trained people, that's why it's important that more and more people get their CTS and even their CTSD and I because there's a, a real problem in the industry of having enough qualified people to do what's necessary. I mean, I've Infocom changed their name this year to Avixa, the Audiovisual Integrated Experience Association. And we don't have enough people to create that integrated experience, so we've got to get more people out there in the field.
0: What advice or what guidance would you give to someone? who's entering the system, who thinks, hey, I think I'd like to do that. As someone who has the experience that you have, what do you think would be their smartest move? Where do they go? Where do they start?
1: I would send them to the nearest community college that's running a program that uh, is sanctioned by Avixa that is doing that sort of training and come out of there with a the basic knowledge. And um, I would go from there. Avixa has been very good at uh, working with some community and junior colleges and, and working on programs like that.
0: So get hands-on experience sure. is one of the best ways to really – you've got to get your feet wet in order to be able to learn how to swim. Well,
1: get the, the basic body of knowledge, we call it the basic Bach, and, and go from there. Uh, but anybody that hires you is going to want some real-life experience. But uh, a lot of our larger integrators have very good – I would call them apprentice programs where they put you with some master installers or master designers or whatever field you're going into, as it's design or install or even sales to sort of show you the ropes and, and teach you as you go.
0: So You mentioned the experience at concerts that now most people who go, they actually experience it looking through their phone <laughs> uh, to make sure that they're framing it right. They don't, you know, they don't actually experience the thing. They experience the recording of the thing. And as someone who spent a few minutes looking through a viewfinder in your life, did you ever have a a situation where you were at an event and you thought, I don't want to be looking through this viewfinder. This is an important thing. I really want to experience this as a person. Or were you never able to kind of separate the personal from the professional in those situations?
1: Well, no, you have to remember, I grew up uh, as a child of the 60s and uh, there were some artists back then that I really just uh, would rather sit and, and listen and watch the performance. Oh, a quick aside, all you people out there shooting video with your smartphones, please turn them sideways and do it landscape instead of portrait. So when they put it on the air, they don't have to blur or blank out the sides. Anyway, (laughs) no, uh, I started out in the creative field. I was a photographer for the United Press International and AP, and, uh, you know, there's there's a right way and a wrong way to shoot everything from a concert to a car wreck. So, I mean, uh, I sort of got my chops in the creative world and then moved over into the technical side of things. But... uh, It's one of those things where you either have the artistic eye and ability to frame things properly or not. It's not something you can really teach in school. I mean, back when I taught directing, you could teach how to create a leading edge if somebody's facing left or right. But uh, beyond that, you know, now with everything going on with all the handheld shooting that's happening and the sideways cameras are shooting things at an angle, all that uh, artistic stuff is typically in the mind of the director, not so much in the guy shooting.
0: Even with the advances in technology, there are still basic common sense rules that haven't changed. Just because you have a, a GoPro mounted on your helmet or you know your cell phone on some sort of gimbal that you bought off of Amazon, that doesn't change the fact that good framing is good framing. That is correct. From a technical standpoint, the artistic component has to be a part of it. Otherwise, if you can have uh, the best 4K camera, 8K, 9,000K, whatever format that you're shooting in, but if you don't know how to, if you're cutting off the top of someone's head, if you don't know how to frame and capture that moment in something that will be visually arresting or or ca- uh, will capture the attention of the viewer, you're just spinning your wheels.
1: Well, uh, these days, cutting off the top of somebody's head, seems to be the preferred mode of shooting. If you've ever watched 60 Minutes or anything, uh, any interview show lately, they love doing that.
0: Does that drive you nuts? Well, yeah, that's
1: been going on with with CBS for 30 years. I mean, they started doing that because they wanted to get up close and personal and see everybody's expression and see if the interview was making them sweat, so that's how that all started. But now it seems to be a daily occurrence. I mean, just on the nightly news, I can hardly watch it anymore when they're interviewing somebody
0: what are three basic common sense things that you would like to see come back?
1: Oh gosh. Um, a beginning, a middle and end of the story. Too often they end the story and they haven't finished the story. Like you've already mentioned proper framing of everything that's going on. We can't think of a third one right off
0: Were you one of those rogue cameramen where you might be hearing in the earpiece, all right, get me this, get me that. And y- you would maybe go a little rogue and say, yeah, I'm shooting it this way. I'll get yelled at, but ultimately this is the better shot.
1: Uh, Um, That's why I ended up being a director pretty quickly.
0: Because of your ability to see what a good shot was or (laughs) because directors knew that you were going to shoot what was best regardless of what they said? I
1: wore out too many directors, that's correct.
0: (laughs) Let's talk just briefly about the future of the industry and the speed at which it's advancing, the future, we really could be talking about the next six months. What vector do you see or direction do you see happening in the industry that you think is a good thing, either from a technical or from a content side?
1: Well, I think the ability now to record in many, many different formats, the ability to display on many, many different formats, uh, various sizes and shapes. Uh, I was sort of amazed walking around the show floor this time at all the the different shapes of LCD panels, excuse me, LED panels, and um, just the ability for content not to be bound by the old Three by four, four by three, or 16 by nine aspect ratio restrictions. And, uh, to basically make the content match the, uh, the venue, if you will, whether it be fashion merchandising, a nightclub, football stadium, whatever the case may be. I think that's going to be the the biggest and fastest growing segment of our, of our market.
0: It was there a specific type of event that you preferred shooting? And as a director, is there a specific type of event that you like directing?
1: Oh, uh, always sports. Uh, it's fast moving. It's uh, never dull. Unless it's a chess match. Um, <laughs> those Things were always happening. We're always trying to stay one step ahead of the action.
0: Is there a particular event that you were able to be a part of that really sticks with you?
1: Well, the one I guess I most remember was uh, the time we interviewed uh, at the time, Ronald Reagan who was running for president and he came to Mississippi for an interview and we had to uh, I don't know why, but I guess there'd been some threat and the Secret Service was really, really patting us down and all of our equipment had to go through unbelievable scrutiny and we finally got the interview.
0: Is there an event that you remember just for how brutally difficult it was, whether it was conditions or content.
1: Well, the most strenuous part was a, uh, a New Year's Eve parade that we had to shoot one time in unbelievably cold circumstances. And uh, there wasn't a ready power source and we were having to use batteries, which were dying like crazy. All this happened years and years ago. So I haven't shot anything in a long, while.
0: For your last question today, would you rather shoot a baseball game in Texas in August, and you're in one of the camera wells, or would you prefer shooting, say, the Winter Olympics, standing out on the trail waiting for a biathlon athlete to ski by you? Oh,
1: the baseball game, for
0: sure. But that's because you love baseball, and biathlon's not your jam, right?
1: No, it's because I live in Texas, because I like heat, I can't stand it.
0: Oh, well, then that works out just fine. You know what? I think I know some people with the Rangers, so maybe I can get you on. The, maybe you could just fill in uh, doing some well work out there because I know how much you love that, right?
1: Again, I'm retired and I haven't shot in many, many years.
0: <laughs> this has been really a pleasure to get to talk to you. Today, I have been speaking to a career professional from ProAV. His name is Mike Weems. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you.